What is up guys, it is Quinn here. And in this video, I'm gonna be going through my week 10 start sits at the running back position. You guys know the drill by now, going through every single week 10 matchup, listing every fantasy relevant running back as either a start, sit, or a fringe option. So either I want them in my lineups, they're locked in, I want them on the bench, or there are more you know, fringe options, flex plays, RB3s. So that's the overall premise. There are gonna be timestamps down below in the description for the matchups. And then while you guys are watching, if you enjoy the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. If you guys have any questions, you can drop them down below and I will get back to every single person. But let's jump into the first matchup where we have the Falcons taking on the Panthers. And honestly, for the Falcons here, I'm feeling pretty good about Cordero Patterson moving forward. Now, this was his first game back coming off of IR. So I think it's kind of expected that he didn't you know, come back into a workhorse role. This was definitely a committee here between Patterson, Algier, and Huntley. We saw Cordero Patterson play only around 38% of the snaps. He had 13 carries, but we saw him take 80% of the goal line opportunities. So he's going to be getting the valuable touches in this offense. That's what we want, right? He doesn't need to come in and have a massive role. He can work his way back as long as he's getting those goal line opportunities. If you're just giving him 13 carries and, you know, it's just all on first and 10, you know, between the 20s, that's not what we're looking at here. So he scores two touchdowns. That's obviously going to help him out fantasy wise. I think he's going to continue to expand his role. And he's actually someone who I like his uh, over under on underdog. He's sitting at 52 and a half rushing yards heading into the Thursday night game. Like I said, he had 13 carries in his first game back. I think he's going to build on that. Looking at the Panthers, they've allowed the fifth most rushing yards per game. So it's a strong matchup here for Patterson. This is going to be a game script where the Falcons are likely going to be winning or at least, you know, keeping it close between the Panthers. They're not going to be getting blown out. They're going to be able to implement their run heavy game plan throughout, you know, all 60 minutes. So I like that over uh, for Cordero Patterson. If you guys are interested in signing up for Underdog, if you use code Quinn or use the link in the description, they will double your first deposit up to $100. Now on the other side, looking at the Panthers, this is kind of a tough spot because we don't really know about injuries here. Right now, I have Deonta Foreman listed as a fringe play, Chuba Hubbard as a sit. But looking at this Panthers running back room in their uh, previous game against the Bengals, this was just a really, really gross committee and just an overall brutal game script where they were just getting lit up the entire game by the Bengals. So it's kind of tough to, you know, figure out what we're going to take from this. So we had Foreman taking 21 snaps, Blackshear at 17, and then Brown at 13. So is this a spot where we should be expecting Foreman to be in a committee moving forward? Or is this just kind of how they, uh, you know, operated while they were getting blown out? The kind of concerning part here was that we saw Blackshear take all the goal line snaps, which if you're taking that away from Foreman, it's not great, especially when he didn't see any third down or two minute drill work. So I actually feel like Chuba Hubbard potentially coming back from injury here on Thursday night, he may honestly be the better option long-term on this team. If they're going to let him split early down opportunities, take the receiving work, take the two minute drill opportunities, maybe he mixes in on the goal line. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it definitely doesn't seem like, you know, that's impossible moving forward. So I think if you're in a deeper league, I think Chuba's a solid pickup. I mean, even like your standard 12 team league, he should definitely be owned here. I do still prefer playing Foreman. We had the uh, two games prior to this where he was just dominant. So I do think Foreman is the better play here, but I'm obviously not as bullish about playing him as I was, you know, heading into this past week. Now, moving over to Sunday, I believe this game is being played in Germany for the first time. Uh, in the NFL history here between the uh, Seahawks and the Buccaneers. I think for the Seahawks, 
it's very clear we continue to fire up Kenneth Walker as a very, very strong running back one. Top 10 guy rest of season locked in. And then for the Buccaneers, I have Leonard Fournette as a start, Rashad White as a sit. And I've noticed, I've seen a lot of people kind of souring on Leonard Fournette, and I'm like totally on board with that. I think he's been a little bit concerning as of late, but then when you actually look at the numbers, like he hasn't been, you know, his RB1 self as of late, but it's not like he's been tanking in your lineup. It's just the way that he's been producing has been so gross. He is still getting the production there kind of, but the dude is averaging 3.4 yards per carry on the season. At least he's still being consistently utilized as a pass catcher. I don't think this is a spot where this is like a Fournette is playing terrible thing. The Buccaneers play calling, their play sequencing is just abysmal. Like every first down, run, 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 run. It's like a lock. I mean, I think in the first half of that game against the Rams, I believe they ran on 10 of the 11 first downs. So when the defense knows it's coming and the O-line isn't great in the run blocking department, you're not going to be super efficient but he had a 58% raw participation. I think we continue to fire him up as probably a high-end running back too, who definitely has some more value if this Buccaneers offense can somehow get it together. And then sitting his handcuff, Rashad White. Then in the next matchup, we have the Vikings taking on the Bills. For the Vikings, obviously Dalvin Cook is a locked-in start in your lineups. For the Bills, at this point, I feel like we're looking at fringe territory for Devin Singletary. This offense is just not one that's going to support its running backs. They don't have a ton of touchdown upside. Singletary has had some decent involvement as a pass catcher here and there, but now you have Naheem Hines, who's likely going to be, you know, taking some of those opportunities away. So I think uh, Singletary is a fringe play. Naheem Hines, I think he's going to filter in as a pass catcher, but he's really not someone I have uh, high hopes for here fantasy-wise. It just seems like they continue to try to get this, like, third down, you know, pass catching back. They tried to go after McKissick in the offseason. They draft James Cook. They bring in Naheem Hines. Like, is that really fitting Josh Allen's skill set? It just seems like a weird hill that they're trying to die on here by consistently trying to bring that guy in. And then they end up using Singletary in that role anyway. So I don't know. I still think Singletary is like a running back three week to week, but definitely not someone you love. And then Naheem Hines, just not super interested fantasy wise. Then in a divisional game, we have the Lions taking on the Bears. For the Lions, I have Jamal Williams as a very strong start. And I have DeAndre Swift here as a clear sit. We saw Jamal Williams take 61% of the snaps on Sunday. He had 24 carries. Didn't really turn that into anything fantasy-wise because he didn't get into the end zone. And then he also wasn't catching any passes. But just the fact that he has that, you know, workload as a potential outcome, that's great to see moving forward for a Jamal Williams owner. And then just looking at like Swift here, at this point, he's, you know, locked in on the bench. Like you can't even consider starting him. He played 10 snaps. I don't really understand what the Lions are doing here because they're not competitive in terms of like making the playoffs, right? Like they're not going to be a playoff team. So why do you have, you know, one of your best offensive weapons out there? He's clearly not 100%. You're playing him in super limited opportunities. Why aren't you just letting him get healthy or just straight up shutting him down? Like the thing doesn't make sense. Why are we playing him 10 out of 60 something snaps when he could just be sitting out rehabbing for a few weeks, getting healthy? The whole thing is, you know, weird here. But for Jamal Williams, he's going up against the Bears defense, which has just been in shambles. They traded away, you know, a few of their top players. They got carved up by the Cowboys on the ground two weeks ago. They got shredded through the air against the Dolphins. So it seems like, you know, they will just give up whatever. Obviously, that's my Bears team. But, you know, that's where we're at right now. So I think, you know, Jamal Williams can have a big day on the ground. And then Swift is a sit. 
Moving over to the Bears, I have Montgomery as a start and Khalil Herbert as a sit. And I feel like, you know, the way that looks is that these guys are super far apart. I feel like Montgomery is on the very low end of a start and Khalil Herbert is on the very high end of a sit. I still feel like David Montgomery is the better option here in this backfield. He has more receiving upside. I think he has a more locked in week to week carry load. Khalil Herbert can give you one of those games where he's super efficient on the ground, scoring a touchdown. But with Justin Fields getting super involved on the ground, David Montgomery is obviously going to be getting his. I don't know how much I trust Khalil Herbert in terms of actually starting him in my lineup. Now, this is a good matchup against the Lions, but I would prefer to lean towards Montgomery, as I imagine all of you would as well. Now, moving into the Jaguars, taking on the Chiefs, Travis Etienne, continue to fire this man up as a mid, honestly, maybe even high-end running back one rest of season. And then on the other side with the Chiefs, just can't be trusting any of these dudes. It's a three-headed committee between CEH, Pacheco, and McKinnon. Just a gross, gross situation that we're going to have to avoid probably rest of season. Then we have the Browns taking on the Dolphins for the Browns, obviously firing up Nick Chubb as a very strong start. I'm still going to be sitting Kareem Hunt. I think he's a guy who's going to have value when Deshaun Watson comes back, but at this point, still going to be a sit for me. On the Dolphins side, I have Jeff Wilson as a start, Raheem Mostert as a sit, and hear me out here. So in the first game with these two playing together, we basically saw a 50-50 split or close to a 50-50 split. We saw um, Wilson take the advantage in the snaps, 28 to 26. He also took the advantage in routes run, 13 to 12. He out-targeted Mostert, three to one. And then each running back had nine carries. So listening to that, you're probably thinking like, all right, this is going to be 50-50. Why is Jeff Wilson a locked-in start and Raheem Mostert is a sit? This is me kind of projecting what I'm expecting this workload to look like next week. I think the fact that we saw Wilson take slightly over 50% in his first game with this team, remember he wasn't even there for the entire week. He comes in not even a full week on the team and is taking, you know, half of Raheem Mostert's workload. I think in my opinion, he's going to continue to take more opportunities here. I wouldn't be surprised if heading into here week 10, it's a 60-40 favoring Jeff Wilson. You know, we saw him run more routes. He was out-targeted or he out-targeted Raheem Mostert. If he's getting those opportunities, he was the more efficient runner on the ground. I just think Jeff Wilson is going to be trending up and Raheem Mostert is trending down at this point. Now they could just lock in on this 50-50 split and then we'll reevaluate. But my opinion here heading into week 10, I'd expect Wilson to take a step forward in terms of the split in this backfield. Then moving into a pretty easy matchup to talk about, Texans taking on the Giants. We're obviously starting Damian Pierce and we're obviously starting Saquon Barkley. No drama in that one. Then we have the Saints taking on the Steelers. We have Alvin Kamara coming off of a you know rougher fantasy performance. The Saints just looked brutal last night on a Monday Night Football, but you're still going to be firing up Kamara as a very strong running back one. And then on the other side with the Steelers, you just kind of, you know, throw Najee in there as a grinder flex option, RB3, maybe an RB2 on your team since he was a high draft pick, but not someone you love, but someone where you can toss him in there and, you know, not feel horrible about it. And then obviously sitting his backup, Jalen Warren, Then we have the Broncos taking on the Titans. And for the Broncos, this committee got even grosser after the trade deadline. They added Chase Edmonds, who has been pretty brutal so far this season. But I mean, it just makes the situation even worse. Gordon, Murray, Edmonds, all these dudes are going to be clear sits in my opinion. And then on the other side for the Titans, obviously we're rolling with Derrick Henry as a very strong start. In the Colts-Raiders matchup, this Colts whole situation is just, you know, all up in the air at this point. 
So they fire Frank Reich. You know, they had already benched Matt Ryan. Now they bring in Jeff Saturday. They have one of the weirdest like press conferences where everyone's throwing out these wild quotes. You've got Saturday talking about how he doesn't even understand how he was in the mix get hired. You know, you've got the GM talking about the media crapping on him for not drafting wide receivers. Now their O-line is terrible. You've got the owner talking about how he loves um, Jeff Saturday because he's not going to be, you know, fearful and follow analytics. Like this whole thing is just brutal. And then you have Jonathan Taylor who is hurt and like at potential risk of being shut down. Now, I haven't really heard that as like a legit thing, but you're looking at this team. It doesn't seem like they're trying to win, so they might as well get their guy healthy. I will say if he's healthy, he's obviously going to be a start. And I do know a lot of you guys are asking me in the comments, like, what are we doing with Jonathan Taylor? I think at this point, you sell him if you can get a top 12 to top 15 running back. But if you can't get that, like if you drafted Jonathan Taylor and you needed him to be that guy and you're bringing in a running back 18, 19, like, do you have any shot at winning the chip if you make that trade? If you think you killed the rest of your draft and it's like, you just need that security, then I understand it. But I think if you're sitting there with JT as your number one pick and all these other first round teams have CMC, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, you're probably going to need Jonathan Taylor to be Jonathan Taylor to be competitive. So that's why I think he's more of a hold here. Not saying that he's going to be, you know, locked in, get healthy and playing. Like there's a lot of risk in holding him but I feel like you're kind of just sacrificing a lot of your ceiling if you do trade him. So those are my thoughts there on JT. I think if JT does not play and they're going with Deion Jackson, I do think he's startable in a solid matchup against the Raiders here. On the other side for the Raiders, we're continuing to fire up Josh Jacobs as a strong running back one play. Then we have the Cowboys taking on the Packers. For the Cowboys, I think both Pollard and Zeke are strong starts here. It sounds like Zeke will be ready to go for this game. I know some people are going to be expecting or wanting Pollard to kind of take over. I just don't think that's going to happen here. I think they're going to continue to use Zeke. You know, uh, Jerry Jones loves to do, they paid him a ton of money. I think they're going to keep rolling with him, you know, whether people like it or not. On the other side with the Packers, it sounds like Aaron Jones, you know, dodged a bullet here with his injury. It sounds like he'll have a shot to go on Sunday. So obviously if Aaron Jones is playing, he's a start. And then sitting A.J. Dillon, I suppose that if Aaron Jones is out, I guess you're rolling with A.J. Dillon, even though he hasn't been great. As the running back one, he should be startable in that situation. Then in a divisional game, we have the Cardinals taking on the Rams. For the Cardinals, we finally saw James Conner back in the lineup. He's someone I was very high on heading into the season. My exposure to him on underdog is very, very high, which obviously hasn't been great for a lot of my uh, best ball teams. But he comes in, and I think his usage was very encouraging. He had a 71% snap share, 70% route participation. He didn't have a crazy game, only 11.4 PPR points. He's someone that I forgot to mention as a buy low player, but someone who I do think is a great buy low option at this point. Like he sits out a bunch of weeks, comes in, doesn't do anything crazy. I think he's a solid buy low, um, and I think he's going to be a strong start moving forward. I have him as a start this week, sitting, you know, Benjamin. Even in a tough matchup here against the Rams, I still think he has receiving upside if he can't get it going on the ground. Now, on the other side for the Rams, just a disgusting running back situation here. Sitting Henderson, sitting Akers, sitting Malcolm Brown. Then on Sunday night football, we have the Chargers taking on the 49ers. Arguably the uh, you know two top running backs rest of season for fantasy. Eckler, McCaffrey, firing both up as high-end running back ones. And then the final game of the week, we have the Commanders taking on the undefeated Eagles. Looking at this Commanders backfield, I have Gibson listed as a fringe play, Brian Robinson as a sit. 
We had McKissick miss this game, so we had you know a split between Gibson and B-Rob. It wasn't a three-headed split like it's been in previous weeks. We saw Gibson take 36 snaps to Robinson's 28. Basically, the way these snaps were split up, Robinson took the majority of the early down snaps, you know, as we'd expect. They pretty much split the uh, short yardage situations 50-50. And then we saw Gibson take every third down and every two-minute drill snap. So just looking at the breakdown there, when I'm looking at that, I want the guy who's getting the third down work, the two-minute drill work, and splitting the short yardage. I want Antonio Gibson there. I want his role over Brian Robinson's. So that's why he's a fringe play. B-Rob is a sit. And then looking at the Eagles, I think Miles Sanders, a very strong running back too, just like a locked in mid-tier running back two rest of season with, you know, high-end running back two upside or RB1 upside, honestly, in strong matchups. So that is going to wrap it up for every single week 10 matchup. Like I said, you know, in the video, if you want to sign up for underdog, use the uh, link in the description or code Quinn, double your first deposit up to $100. I'm going to be posting my wide receiver start sits. I posted my trade targets, sell high, waiver wire targets yesterday. So all of that should be out. As always, thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.